0: Strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company.
1: Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour.
2: Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me. I'm Eric Halaby. This is the Total Financial Hour. We're talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. That's what it's all about. Uh, look, our objective in life is to understand why things happen, financially speaking. That's what our company's job is. Uh, enough to say that maybe we can communicate to you. You can catch things before it's a problem. You can look down the road and say, you know, hey, uh, if I'm trying to build a financial life for my family... Wouldn't it be nice to see things coming down the road a little bit? Wouldn't it be nice to have a week's notice, a month? How about 60 days? So there's something called the WARN report or the WARN letter. If a WARN letter is given, it's based on the WARN Act. Here's what it stands for. White uh, Washington and, and Sacramento love these acronyms. So it's called Worker Adjustment and Retraining Notification. Wow, they paid somebody a lot of money for that one. The WARN uh, Act protects employees, their families, and communities. That's about the children. About the children and old people, remember? Children, old people, nurses. We still like nurses for a while anyway. Remember, we didn't when they weren't getting the vaccine. But we're back to liking them again. So that's nice. And it requires, okay, by by requiring employers with more than 100 employees to give a 60-day notice to the affected employees and both state and local government representatives before a plant closing or a mass layoff. Advance notice provides employees and their families time to transition and adjust to the potential loss of employment, time to seek alternative jobs, and if necessary, time to obtain skills training or retraining to successfully compete in the job market. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to give you notification. We're gonna you're going to lose your job. Okay. That's and the clock starts ticking and go. So in sixty days, first of all, wake up from the shock. That takes two days. Probably they tell you on a Friday. So you still are there for thirty uh, for for sixty days. Two more months. It could be longer. Now, often what companies do is they say, "Look, our." We want you to stay here. We're retraining the people in Asia. Or we want you to train your replacement for six months. You've heard that before. Or we're going to be laying you off and transitioning your jobs to Scottsdale. Heard that at Allstate Insurance. Our clients that work there, they lost their jobs. Or we're going to transition your job to uh, Virginia. That was Nestle. Nestle lost their employees here in Glendale. Uh, Oh, sorry. Toyota is moving. Yeah. Yeah, they're moving to Texas. I think it's Plano, but I'm not mistaken. I think it's Plano, Texas. Well, you were moving to Texas. So Toyota, moved, right? All these companies move. They give this big notification and they say, but if you don't leave us, we will pay you and then we'll give you some severance. We'll give you some time off. So don't leave us just yet. Stay on for another 60 days. But you're supposed to wake up from the shock and start your retraining. Go back to school. Yeah. Go get that degree real quick. Get that training as, to be a plumbing a plumbing journeyman. Go. You have 60 days. So I think it's a joke. I think it's big brother at work. Right? When an employee uh, employer lays you off. Now it says mass layoffs. There really isn't a clear mm, notification. Right? Now here's why I have a problem with it. I have a problem with it because I'm a true capitalist conservative. I care about... Uh, as little limited government as possible, almost libertarian-ish. Because I want you to be able to quit your job anytime you want. Right? You notice that you can quit your job anytime you want. You notice that you don't have to give a three-week notice to your employer, 60-day notice to your employer, and then when you leave your employer, you're going to pay them for the next uh, four weeks to train the next guy or gal that's coming in to replace you. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't work for free for the last two months, right? You wouldn't work for free for severance, would you? But you want them to pay you for not working. Look, I'm adamant about this. I didn't used to be. Until one day, a friend of mine, a conservative friend of mine said, Eric, why don't you have some intellectual honesty with it? I said, oh, what do you mean? I do. He said, no, you don't. Because to be intellectually honest means a couple of things. Number one is, if an employer has to pay severance, then doesn't an employee have to work for free? Right? You can quit tomorrow. Nobody's going to take you to court and say, uh, Mary was my uh, legal secretary and she quit. And now I want to sue her because she quit because she didn't like the dirty jokes I was saying. Right? You wouldn't do that. Or Mary quit because she didn't like to drive in the traffic anymore. Let's be a bit benign. Mary quit because she didn't like, you're allowed to quit. You should be allowed to quit for whatever reason, because you didn't like the guy, because you thought the lady was crazy, because you thought your coworkers were nuts, whatever it is. You should be allowed to quit because everybody should be allowed to leave, quit, work any place they want, at any time they want, without ever being a... Owned by anybody, right? Indentured servitude is gone. I don't know if you saw that. Did you catch that memo? Indentured servitude is gone. That's where you would say, hey, I want to go to the New World. right? Kind of like slavery, but it had a deadline. I want to go to the New World. They go, great. Get on my ship. You go, oh, sorry, I don't have any money. They said, well, you're coming from England. The cost to come from England to the New World. Okay, it's going to cost... Six years of your labor. And you say yes, or you say no. Or two years of your labor. Because you can pay a little bit. You can work on the ship a little bit. So I'm going to need the guy on the other end, right? COD, cash on delivery. I'm going to drop you off in the new world, but you're mine. You're kind of my slave, if you will, my indentured servitude servant on the ship. When we arrive in the new world... There's a group of people waiting, and they're saying, hey, I need somebody for free. I need somebody. Great. They say, "Uh, did you want Joe here? Look how strong Joe is. He's a good Irishman, strong Irishman, 19 years old. Say, great. I'll give you X amount of dollars. Ship owner says, sold. The new guy says, okay, that is three years worth of free labor. So you now work for three years for free whatever it is planting and you're not living like a king folks not at all you're living generally in the huts in the uh, with the animals eating leftover food often you're not able to to read or write so you got some struggles there you're hoping you're keeping track of time properly sometimes people didn't now there were some great abolitionists some great leaders conservatives by the way religious conservatives yeah, check your check your history, folks. That would go around and say, <clears throat> excuse me, how long was yours? They said three years. Well, how long have you been here? I'm not really sure. Well, these law firms, these law groups, the real ACLU of the day, that were not liberal Democrat left wing, but conservatives, that would say, wait a second, this person's paid their debt. Because the guy's going to want you to work for free for as long as possible. Well, well, no, I'm not working for free anymore. So the indentured servitude rule, right, where you you work for free for a period of time, and then boom, you're a free person. You're in America. There's no other immigration. There's no no river to cross. There's no uh, uh, tundra to cross. No, no, no. You're you're here. Well, why this makes a difference is because this worker adjusted, uh, sorry, worker adjustment and retraining notification is a one sided contract. It's only against the employers. Now, I'm not a fan of employers laying people off, but it's, a, it's a, a, a company deal, right? I mean, you understand that they're not laying you off because they like you or hate you. They're laying you off because it's a math problem. So if you produce more money than you cost, whatever your job is, then generally you're more valuable. And I'm not saying that everybody who gets laid off is not valuable to somebody you are. What I'm saying is I want you to know your own value. I want you to not give up your right to be able to walk away from a job because you, you realize that if these rules keep taking in place, then it's going to be a two-way street where you say, that's it, I'm out of here. They say, I'm sorry, you can't leave. Well, why? Well, because uh, if I have to give a 60-day notice, so do you. Now, you would say, that's crazy. I don't have to work for free. Well, I'm telling you, if you keep this up, These warn notifications could be coming to a town near you. So what are some of them that are happening? What are some that were given here? Let me go down to to some of the latest dates here and give you an idea of what's coming down the road. I'll go back to March. It doesn't have to go back too far. So March, we have permanent closures of locations, custom control sensors. That's 127 employees. That's in Chatsworth, California. Uh, It looks like Amgen is laying off 425 people. They gave that notification when? They gave that notification in March. For what date? May 16. Sorry, May 26. May 26. Microsoft, of course, has a huge layoff coming. Hundreds of people, hundreds and hundreds of people all across the board at Microsoft. That's exciting. It's a little scary, wouldn't you think? Right, they're supposed to be the, the bulletproof ones. Mattel, hundreds of layoffs. Well, it looks like maybe 92. First, first uh, glance, it looks like 92. I want you to think about this for a second. Because this starts to... Well, it concerns me and it concerns you. Because General Atomics Aeronautical Systems hundreds and hundreds of employees out of San Diego County. Now you might think that's not a big deal. What does that mean? Uh, They're all different locations. They're in Poway. They're in, uh, well, all across Poway to be frank, different locations. Well, you see, this is America's space program. These are people, these are organizations. These are individuals that are super smart. Most of them are very smart. So much so that when you look across the board at what they create, they're basically creating future. And it isn't just the first organization that's that's laying people off. It's countless ones across the board. Now, the other part that's that's a challenge Wells Fargo, hundreds of people they're laying off coming up. Yep. That's scary. All across the board, by the way. Uh, uh you know what else kind of in, intrigues me? Cedar Sinai Hospital See, why am I not a fan of Cedars-Sinai Hospital? Because they laid off many of our, our, our clients. They laid off people that were part and creators of programs that only because of their left-wing wokeness, when they knew, they knew that the vaccine had zero ability to prevent you from getting or transmitting COVID. Zero. In fact, it was what, May of 2020, when the studies came out, and they tested. If I am not mistaken, it was the macaw monkeys. And they knew it. They gave them the test. They did the the trial, and it failed. Emails today have proven that they knew back in May of 2020. Think about this for a second. These are medical professionals at Kaiser Hospital at at Cedar Sinai. They knew that it. That the vaccine had nothing to do with transmitting or receiving the uh, COVID virus. And yet they still decided. So surprise, Cedar sinais layoffs. Well, it's probably right around 150 or so. Now, I get it. There's hundreds, if not a, a thousand, maybe a thousand employees. But they lost 250 or more employees that they fired. Shh, don't tell anybody cedarstein I fired two hundred and fifty what for what reason? oh sorry, I know you're a doctor and you might know more than these administrators, but I'm sorry, oh, you're a medical professional, sorry. Where does it come into line that that these organizations right see so this is what happened. <clears throat> there was a shifting of dollars. they went through to well, it was a subsidy to our Our green energy world, right? Rivian Motors, some of the pretty cool-looking trucks, by the way. I think they're really neat-looking. Rivian Motors, permanent layoffs. Well, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 400-and-something employees, 420. That's a lot for a startup automobile company. 400 employees plus. That's a problem. So I think big problems are coming down the road these are all organizations that have or are currently laying off lots and lots of people. So I want you to pay attention to this because this affects a lot of people, right? It affects you. It affects me. When you're trying to build a financial stability in your life, and these are organizations, right? Pfizer announces it's laying off 196 people. You ask yourself, what did they do with all this COVID money? They couldn't have created something. Amgen got all that money and they're still laying people off. Electric vehicles received millions, tens of hundreds of millions of dollars of state and federal taxpayer money. And you still are laying people off. Explain to me what you did with all the money. Right. Right. It it went somewhere. After the break, I'm going to come back and, and share with you what Warren Buffett has said last weekend about his outlook and what he thinks is coming down the pipe. I don't know. He's not that bright of a guy. It's just Warren Buffett. I don't know <laughs> what did he, he took a little company and turned it into something. Uh, oh, I don't know. It sounds familiar. Anyway, the name is familiar. We'll see if we can figure out who he is after the break. I want you to realize that I think some changes are coming. And as these changes are coming right with Google's hundreds and hundreds of layoffs, right? Hospitals, hundreds and hundreds of layoffs, thousands of layoffs at hospitals, right? Amazon is laying off hundreds of people. Where, where are they doing? What are you going to do with your job? So I want you to think about this. If you are one of those that have been laid off and you want to protect your retirement account, you want to do something with it, get it out of the market. If they've had the nerve, the desire, the the audacity to terminate you after receiving all of that free COVID money, and you would like our help, Maybe I can help you with it. I can look at it. I can see maybe I can take some or part of that money, get it out of risk, get it out of the market. Maybe it's time to retire and turn it on for income, right? We do that for a lot of people. Maybe this is time for that. Maybe we can sit down and review. Do you need to go back to work? That'd be neat to know. I got, uh, I was lucky this last week, had a chance to talk with somebody. They came into the office after our conversation a few days later. We went over their account, ready for this? This was exciting to me. It's almost as if I was the one retiring, but I told him, look, you have enough money to not work ever again. And here's what they had. They had three sources of income in retirement. They were one of these layoffs. This is a part of the reason why it was brought to my attention, because I want you to know in this world of understanding these layoffs, in this world of understanding that you're not alone, that thousands and thousands of layoffs have come down the road. That sometimes there's a golden, what is it called? A silver lining. And so here's what happened. We sat down, we went over their program. This is what we came up with. Number one, starting social security at age 67, he's 65. Starting social security at age 67 is the right answer for him. So that's what he's going to do. How is he going to live for the next two years before he starts social security? Right. he's going to need more than that, but that's just, you know, that's a deficit. So. We took part of his retirement account that he had saved in his 401k plan, and we parked it off to the side and we said, this particular account is going to give you $5,000 a month to live on. Okay. So $5,000 a month times 60 months, uh, sorry, times, uh, uh 12 months, $60,000. So 60,000, we need to do it for two years. So that's $120,000. Well, he was blessed to have with the the buyout and the stock options and all the stuff that they gave him, right? They tried to give you the guilt money, right? Here you go. Here you go. I'm guilty here. Take this money. Take this money. Don't sue us. The severance Sign this four packages. You you know, we're not going to let you touch anything. You can't log on to your computers right now. Your computer's being wiped, right? You guys know when that's coming. You better start saving your personal emails. Don't not the work emails, but your personal ones that you should have never had sent to your work email address to begin with. But I digress, so keep in mind that if you're thinking about this, right, you have dollars coming in the front door in your life, but from many different sources. so in his case, we had one point four million dollars. okay, guys, that's a lot of money. I'm happy for him, but he doesn't have one one point four million to spend, right? Many of you think that's a problem. You look at your retirement accounts and you go, "Oh, I have one point four no, 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 you have about seven or eight hundred thousand. The government has the other Six or seven hundred thousand. You only have about half of it, maybe a little more. You and the government are partners in that account. So you have to ask yourself if I have this money, if I have this account, and I'm putting money aside each and every month, then one day I'm going to take it out. I better take it out in the most tax efficient way possible. So that's systematically. So that's what we did. We took 120,000 of it. We put it in a money market uh, um, IRA at a credit union. Money market individual retirement account, like a savings account at a credit union. And every month they're going to move over 5,000, withhold the taxes, put 5,000 into his account. 5,000, 5,000. That is wonderful news because it's as if he gets a paycheck every month. Same thing. The other part of it was he had two rental properties. Now, one of them, he owes a little bit of money on. He says, oh, Arif, I'm going to pull money from my retirement account to pay that off. Now, my question to him is, why would you do that? And he said, well, Arif, I have to pay interest on that account. What's the interest rate? About 4%. No, that's free money. You leave it, leave it right where it is. Instead, what I want you to do is to just consistently pay it like you would normally and you keep the difference. So in other words, you have a profit. That's just your lifestyle. That's your income. No longer are you paying down the, the mortgage anymore because that's what he was doing. He was taking the rents from the two places since he didn't need it and was paying down, the, in this case, the very last mortgage. I said, stop. Use it to live on. But if there's a mortgage, uh, who cares about there? there's a mortgage? You're not paying it. The renter's paying it anyway. So now you get to keep all of the rents from one and most of the rents from the other added to $5,000 a month and his wife is going to keep working for another year, maybe two because she happens to like her job. My gut feeling tells me she's going to work a little longer than that. See, women tend to have a bit more of a security. They're they play a little bit more fearful. Men play a little bit more greedy. <laughs> Can you, you say, we want more, more, more. We want to try to grow, grow, grow the account. Women are like, gosh, I just can't afford to lose it. I don't want to take a loss. What if I, I get hurt? What if he dies at a young age? I don't want to be alone. So be clear about that. At TFS Financial, we understand that. That's my job. Total Financial was created for that peace of mind because I saw it in my life all throughout Everything I did on a regular basis. I mean, I mean, we saw it all the time. It was just part of things. So we developed a firm specifically with that in mind. If you were somebody that's been laid off, if you've recently been told you're going to be laid off and you want to take some or part of your retirement account and move it out, you can do exactly what this gentleman did. We have 5,000 coming in from there. We have 4,000 from his rents. That's $9,000 a month. And guess what happens? when he turns 67, we turn on social security and we turn on an income stream from most of that other retirement account. So he goes from about $9,000 a month now till at age 67, he's going to make somewhere in the neighborhood of $12,000 a month. And between now and then, he said he wants to work part-time now and again, but he doesn't care. He doesn't want to do it for the money. I get it. He doesn't want to say, oh, I can't take that job, even though I really like it, even though it's closer to home, because I need to make this much money per month. Done. No. Over. You're 65. Volunteer your time. Enjoy your life. Teach. Work part-time. Whatever it might be. You see, that's the key to wealth. That's the key to happiness and success. That's the key to making a difference. Because your life is much more than just money and numbers. Now, it has to be about that when you're young and you have a young family. But it definitely doesn't have to be about that forever. Right? Thanks for being part of the show. Stay with me. 888-99-RETIRE. That's eight eight nine nine seven three 997 3847 retire Give me a call. Stay with me. I'll be right back. The
1: life you dream. Learn about financial power. The total financial output. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi.
2: Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. Arif Halaby. Triple eight ninety nine retire 888-997-3847, 888 retire Okay, I want to bring to your attention a couple of things. Number one, uh, I'm going to give you my email address. I have a special guest next hour. So special guest next hour, that is somebody you're going to want to listen to. Your emails are going to be next week. You want to get on that email list? It's Arif, A-R-I-F, Arif at tfswealth.com so that's a r i f at tfs stands for total financial solutions tfswealth.com uh, dot .com okay your email's next week special guest next hour i think you should listen i think you're going to learn a lot all right I wanted to cover something else. As I talk about these jobs and some of the things that are happening in California's reparations, I I don't know. It looks like it's going to try to happen. I'm going to tell you their only way of paying for it. All right? This is pretty sad. It's pretty important. And I think you need to pay attention. California has a way, uh, I don't know, you're going to see 2 million, 200,000, 800,000. Everybody's got a number. I'm going to tell you things that I, I think are not going to be comfortable for you. And uh, even if you call yourself a conservative, if your first instinct is to stand up and yell racist and point, I want you to get a mirror and pull that mirror close to you. Because if you think anybody who brings up the word race that isn't black is a racist, then you're the one with the problem. You understand that, right? It has nothing to do. Now look, there are black racists, white racists, Hispanic racists. Uh, they just are. Asian racists. My gosh, have you have you been around certain Asian races? I had a friend of mine, a friend of mine that's Korean. He says there's nobody more racist than Japanese. I was around a Chinese person. He says nobody more racist than a than a Chinese. Uh, I mean, than a, than a Korean. And I mean, whatever. They all blame each other for something. You can't figure it out. And you might say, well, when I, I know it's a bit facetious, uh, maybe even funny, I guess. You say, oh, I can't really tell the difference between one and the other. That's even a worst insult to many of the Asian community because they look at each other and they can tell each other apart. And you don't think there's discrimination in that world? I have friends that are in the financial services world that are Chinese and they said they'll never be able to work with a Japanese person. I go, why? I have friends that are Korean, so they can never work with a Chinese person. Why? So, don't run around and think that that whites or blacks or uh, redheads from Scandinavia they have a, a cornerstone on the whole idea of racist before President Obama. I can't remember that we were as racist as we were as we are today in in the sense that everybody's being called it i I don't understand it. So when I share this with you, I need you to understand something. Elon Musk on May fifth, put out a Twitter. Uh, Put out a tweet, I guess y'all call it. I'm not one to be on Twitter. Um, Retweeted something. Maybe that's the right word. So forgive me if I'm getting the words wrong. But why is it? Here's what he says. Odd. Why would the media misrepresent the real situation to such an extreme degree? And he breaks down all of the different race on race crime. Black on white crime over 400,000. I guess this is per year is what I'm guessing. 2018. Black on Hispanic crime, 112,000. Hispanic on white crime, 365,000, almost as many as black on white crime. Hispanic on black crime, 44,000, the lowest of them all, by the way. White on Hispanic crime, 200,000. White on black crime, stand by, this is the races coming your way. White on black crime, 59,000 incidents. The amount of white people, right? There's like six, five, five white folks for every one black folks. And you're telling me that that there's eight, six times? Six times the black on white crime? Listen, when I was a Los Angeles policeman, I remember being part of personnel de- department, part of a, a survey or a study, if you will, part of my job. And I remember this study was from the mid 90s, maybe even 95 or four or something like that. And I remember seeing the amount of crime committed by certain races and communities. And where there was a suspect known, 72% of the part one crimes, that's the bad ones. Rape, robbery, murder, attempted murder, attempted rape, uh, assault, right? Bad ones. Where there was a suspect known. Yes, that's a caveat. There are, it wasn't always a suspect. known. we didn't always know who it was. But where there was a witness or a suspect that was arrested, they had a male black between particular ages. Now, my heart breaks for that community because there's such a small percentage. The reason we did the three strikes law and with great success, might I add, was because during that criminal time period, the people that were committing the most amount of crime was the same. Were, were might have been this uh, you know percentage seventy percent of the same race, but there was such a small percentage of the group, right? If you took all of the black community, a half of a percent, one percent, I don't know, a quarter of a such a small number, that were committing most, if not all, of the crimes. So when you put bad guys in jail, regardless of the race, by the way, some of the most evil. Uh, criminal activity I've ever seen, I I have to be careful with what I say, was done by male whites. We had the intelligence videos to see. I can tell you it was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, 30, 30 years later, I still see it in my sleep. So it's a horrible, horrible thing. So let's be clear on that. Most disgusting ever by male whites. But you see, because the racists, the left-wing people, the, the the liberal Democrats, they see everything by race. That's how they view things. The first thing they see or say is race, religion, culture, uh, sexual status, binary, triplary, whatever. They, that's the first thing they see. Conservatives, and prior to Barack Obama, most of my liberal Democrat friends, they didn't. They just didn't. You were a person. You were a jerk. You were a good person. You were a nice friend, bad friend, right? You were just a coworker, bad co-worker. You were not that designation. And if the truth now, if we're talking statistics, quotes, the science, let's follow the science. Six times, seven times the amount of black-on-white crime. You see, when I came out of college and I was a 21, two year old policeman sitting in the car. And I can tell you that my very first day, right? Your first kiss, your first love, uh, your first law. Lo- yeah. For me also the first day I sat in a police car with the radio going and I, my waist was 30 inches and, uh, and I, I had no hair cause you had to shave it in the Academy. It was like a military type Academy. You sat down with your long sleeves and your boots. Oh, sorry. No, we weren't allowed boots shoes at that time. You had to earn getting your boots, and you had to earn wearing your short sleeve shirt. But meanwhile, you sat in the police car, and for me, it was in March. So it was still relatively cool outside, so I was okay with that. And the very first thing, radio, I'm watching, Adam, Adam, 12, I'm probably in progress. Super intense. And I'm sitting in the police car, and I hear it. And my partner, and I'm nice and sharp and shiny, just got out of the academy 24, 48 hours ago, sitting in that car. My partner's got, you know, he's got an older shirt on. I mean, he looks looks nice. I mean, he looks okay. He looks good. But definitely not clean pressed and brand new like mine with, you know, no fading, nothing going on with the leather. Mine is spit, shine, clean. And his was not. His name was Joe. Joe looks over at me. All right, kid, you know, just got out of the academy here. Yep, yes, yes, sir, yes, sir. Okay, don't call me sir, I work for a living. Yes, yes, uh, yes, officer. Uh, no, 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 just call me Joe. Okay, Joe, I can call you Joe. What do people call you? I go, Arif. <laughs> no, first he goes, what's your first name? How do you pronounce your first name? I said, Arif. He goes, what do people call you? I said, uh, Arif? <laughs> he said, go, okay, I'll, I'll I'll learn it, I'll figure it out. So I sit down, Joe and I are in the car together, we're getting ready to go, driving, I don't know, it, it was definitely within the first hour. Could have been 10 minutes later, could have been 45 minutes later, but definitely within the first hour. So kid, are you a Republican or a Democrat? I said, well, sir, very proudly, I'm a Democrat. He said, oh, great, that'll change, I give it six months. I said, well, no, sir, I don't think it'll change because, you know, I'm, I'm very proud, and it's the right thing to do, and. He said, let me explain something to you. You know, all those things that you think are supposed to happen, all those rules, all those things that you want to give away and you want to give this and give, 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 give. When you take away responsibility, you're going to see what happens when you take away responsibility from people and you give them stuff for free without earning it. I didn't understand him. I didn't understand when we start going into the poor communities, we start seeing the same bad guys over and over again and on the street and Hispanics and blacks and whites, whoever was committing the crime. They were just criminals and good guys, good guys and bad guys. I, my job is not to say, oh, that's somebody's son. No, my, do- my job is to dodge the bullet first. It's to make sure that you're not going to stab me. It's to make sure that you go to jail if I can take it or if I have to, God forbid, protect myself and my partner and the public. Maybe that's at the end of the day, means I have to take your life. That's the God forbid part. But my job was to protect and to serve. My job was to make sure that the bad guys stayed away from the citizens. I didn't care about their race. In the financial services world, in the business world, now a business owner, a successful business owner for three decades. My job is very simple. One plus one. Is two. I don't care what race... That is ridiculous. You tell me a business owner that is about race. If so, they're not in business very long because the math doesn't work. Unless they're in, you know, lily white uh, northeastern Minnesota in a small town of 1,800 people. And they're all the same race, nationality, with the same town of Scandinavia, right? Denmark, the same... Maybe that still exists. But the rest of America just loves you or doesn't like you. Oh, but there, if there's this one race, yeah, of course there's bad guys. Of course. There's people that still hate you. There's people that still eat you. There's still people that, by the way, will punch you in the nose. There's still psychopaths out there. There's still serial killers out there. Does that mean you're going to look at everybody and call them a serial killer or a psychopath? It's about math, right? When it really first t- changed for me, probably 25 years ago. And as far as the math goes, I remember sitting down reading a study and, you know, somebody feeds you a study, uh, a, a woman makes 70% of men an income, a woman's income is 70% of a man's income. You're like, wow, that's too bad. I have three sisters, a daughter. I have a, a wife and a mom and you know, that, that's not cool. And they said, well, you know, and then, you know, a little bit later, and they say, uh, companies are just not hiring women. Women need to be hired more, and and women are discriminated against in the workforce. Now, you see, because the left wing puts those two studies far enough apart, because the left wing forgot to teach you math because they were busy teaching you transgender dance, lap dancing with a twist, right? Because they they just forgot to teach you basic math and they took those studies and did them in a couple of different weekends. By the time you sit down and you go, whoa, 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 whoa. let's move out the noise and let me do the math. So you're telling me that corporations are greedy son of a guns. You're telling me that women can get paid 70%. You're telling me they do the same job as a man, but nobody wants to hire them. So maybe you're telling me that one of those quote truths or more, but at least one is phony because you can't tell me that a corporation is greedy on one hand. And then the second hand that they're not going to hire as many qualified or more qualified people that they can pay 30 cents on the dollar less. Does that not make sense? If they can pay less, if they're greedy son of a guns, they should have all women. And all of them are willing to work for 70 cents on the dollar and all of them are, are sad, but, but, but good workers and what, what, come on now. Suddenly corporations have decided that math doesn't matter, that they're not about being greedy, that they're more about being racist than greedy. I'll tell you what I think. One, I think corporations are still greedy, period. Two, I think if they can get away with hiring a female at 70 cents in the dollar, they would. Do I think they can today? Oh, heck no. Short answer. Do I think they could for the last 10, maybe 20 years? No, not even close. Between Facebook and LinkedIn, between Twitter, between Instagram, between uh, messaging, between uh, websites, the Internet, open door, open glass, glass door, how much do you make? Everything is everywhere now. Do I think that that study holds any merit? No, not even close. Heck no, would be the short answer. Do I think any, any journalist worth their salt would repeat that study? Who thought of it? Who put, who who passed eighth grade math, seventh grade math? I'm going to back it down a little bit. No, they weren't. So who would be putting a study out that like that out who would be doing that? Oh, it's those people. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It's those people. Yeah. The left wing. Surprise. Surprise. That's who it is. The left wing. Now, is this surprising to you? Let me get a clarification. Remember, I told you that uh, it was 400. 400 uh over 400,000 per year black on white crime. Correction, it's 547 948. 547 948. It wasn't six or seven times. It's nearly 10 times. The black on white crime than it is the white on black crime. You want to see even crazier numbers? Take a look at how many white police officers kill black uh, black citizens that are unarmed and how many black police officers kill white citizens that are unarmed and how many white police officers kill white citizens that are unarmed and on and on. We defunded the police. We ruined Portland, Oregon, ruined San Francisco, California, ruined Los Angeles, California and on and on across this nation. Ruined Minneapolis. Instead of standing up and cracking heads, yeah, cracking heads, sorry, yeah, you need to do that. When you see these jack wagons jump on, I was going to say the bad word, but it's an animal, I can maybe say that, but maybe not. You see them jump on a subway this week in New York, shut it down, as if their rights to protest Is my right to go visit somebody in the hospital or go get a a medical test or just to go home and see my kids before they go to bed or to make sure that I can get to my daughter's dance recital? That their right to yell and scream about something that is 100% incorrect is greater than my right to live my life in peace. You want to give police the permission? Mayor Adams, New York City, give them permission. New York Attorney General, Manhattan Attorney General, Southern District. For the feds, jump in there. You can give them permission to go say enough is enough. You could put it out, say, hey, that's it. We're done. We're done. Homeless people, you don't get to be uh, out on the streets. By the way, did you notice this week? Homeless people in the uh, Portland. I think it's Portland. Might be Seattle. Seattle, I believe. Seattle. Schoolyard elementary schoolyard. They're letting homeless people in the back of the of the schoolyard like like on the playground, homeless people over there. The mentally sane. Yeah, yeah. They had to go through a mental test. They had to make sure they weren't on drugs or alcohol. They were mentally stable. So they're not gonna you know, you're letting your little kids run by them. The worst case sorry, the best case scenario is they're just gonna be flashed and exposed. Oh well it doesn't matter. We let them play with drag queens. What about having a, a mentally ill man flash himself? You don't think that's going to happen in a playground? You you don't think that something worse can happen? Worst case scenario? A child gets injured or loses a life, sexually assaulted? You don't think that's a possibility? By letting these people in the playground that you never did a background check? Come on. Well, that's our Liberals. That's our left wing. Sorry, liberals. Liberals are cowards right now. <clears throat> yeah, liberals. Sorry, love you. Many many of you are family. You're a coward because you voted for Joe Biden and you won't stand up. You won't switch parties. You won't register to vote. You won't vote for a Republican because I hate Donald Trump. He's an evil son of a blah, 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 orange man. Bad. Oh, yeah, but don't worry. At least at the end of the day, boy, you got your guy, didn't you? You're the winner. You ever ask yourself this, because who's gonna work for you? Who's gonna take care of you? You have to fight, you guys. I'm talking to you. You that are retired that have multiple sources of income, need to go and sit on a school board. You need to go to the school board meetings. You need to go to the city council meetings, the city the the town council meetings, the water board, the park district. You have to get in, find something you care about, whatever it is, and you go. Sit in the back and take notes. Figure out the players. Go be a fly on the wall. I'm all right with that. Build your foundation. Learn, think, learn, and then take action. I'm going to start publishing some of your success stories on our emails. Reach out to me, guys, at 888 997 that's 88899. Retire. That's how you get a hold of me. You want to send me an email, keep me updated on your success stories. It's Arif, Arif, Arif at tfswealth.com. That's Arif, Arif at TFS. Stands for Total Financial Solutions, tfswealth.com. Uh, It's important that I hear from you because I I need you to stand up because look, common sense at the school board meeting, you might have a profession. You might have an expertise. Hi, excuse me. Yeah. The same mask that you made my kid wear all day long amongst those same people where you made my child bring, breathe warm, moist carbon dioxide air. Uh, Excuse me. I just took 10th grade science. That's as far as I got, you know, because you know, biology was my thing, but I, I didn't understand it. I had to take other classes. I wanted to be a cheerleader or a band, a football player, whatever. To, sorry. So I stopped. So just, just help me understand because I'm only as good as 10th grade science. Can you help me understand why we think it's okay for our kids to breathe out air that the body says, get rid of it. It's not good. Okay. Out it goes. And you say, no, 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 get back in, get back in. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Get back in. And your body goes, back in. Do an oxygen test with that mask on. For some of you that I criticize, and listen, I love y'all. I love y'all. Love you. But I'm the guy that's going to talk to you when I'm walking outside like I did this week to two people. And I'll be that guy. I said, hey, how are you? They said, oh, good, thank you. How are you? I said, good. Hey, why do you have a mask on when you're outside in the sunshine? And very kind. And to her credit, a lady says, oh, my gosh, I didn't even think about it. You're right. And she took it off. The next person looked at me, didn't say anything. I walked past. I turned around. And probably 15 steps later, I looked back and he took it off. You see, oh, but he could get mad at me or punch me in the nose. Okay, be far enough away so he doesn't punch you in the nose. He could get mad at you. Call you a name. Okay, call me a name. You're the dummy wearing a mask. What can you call me that makes me look stupider than you? I, I, I don't know. Have some courage. Call dumb people nice people, God fearing people, but call them out and say, guys, come on, man. You're scaring the daylights out of the children. Stop wearing a mask. It's over. Oh, but air the virus. There's been viruses for a thousand years. They haven't disappeared. They're still going to be here. They'll be here for a thousand more. And don't worry, because right now there's one running around somewhere, and you already got it. So, folks, I need you to have courage, especially my seniors. You guys made it this long with courage. You fought through world wars, and maybe you weren't alive in World War II, but darn it. You survived all the pain in the butt that came after that, and Korea you were in, and Vietnam You fought. Some of you fought through the gas crisis and the recessions and Jimmy Carter's administration. That ought to receive you a medal alone. Have some courage. Stand up. If you're a senior citizen, you gotta, you're gotta. you going to have to show these next young people because they're not getting it. All right, stay with me after the break. Special guest coming your way. I'm Arif Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour, your place for news, talk, and information Arif at tfswealth.com. Arif at tfswealth.com. Next week, your emails. My phone number now, 88899 retire. Stay with me.
1: Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arif Halloween. Financial power. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial power. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi
2: Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me. Power. Your family's place for news, talk, and information. This is A eight seventy. The answer. I love it that you're here with me every week at this time talking about your family's finances. I promised you a special guest, didn't I? Well, we'll get to that person in just a minute. But first of all, uh, happy Mother's Day to everybody. I wanted to make sure that I bring that up uh, for the ladies that are mothers, for the men that had mothers, for everybody that uh, uh, look. It, there's a special place in our heart isn't there for mothers and there's a reason that i that i say a special place in our heart compared to fathers i'm a father thank god my wife uh made sure that that was able to be happening (laughs) three times but i want you to think about this for a minute in the traditional in most cases it's the mom that is the major caregiver right the one that walks you through the process of uh learning your manners learning your uh self-worth self-discipline the ability for you to learn where the lines are right I always say you know I always want to play up to the line a lot of you say oh don't cross the line I don't want to cross the line don't get too close to the line that was never my goal my goal was to always get to the line and how you know where the line is is sometimes you make a mistake and you cross it but it's not a mistake when you cross it is it, it should be a learning lesson it should be a, a way for you to understand now the foundation that you have in your life has really learned to teach you a couple of things. And one of those is the ability for you to to have some personal awareness and self-awareness of where the line is. And that's what mothers are all about. So my special guest today is my mother, Donna Hallaby. Uh, Donna Hallaby was born in Goodrich, Michigan, not with that same last name, but for the uh, benefit of not giving you my mother's maiden name, (laughs) She was born in a small town in Michigan, in Goodrich, Michigan, uh, right outside of Flint, to a a man who was a farmer and a mother that was the consummate farmer's bride. Six children. Mom was number three, the first daughter, hence the one that was required to care for everybody, right? Care for the younger siblings. Go do this. Get this. uh, Help. Help mom with the, the three younger children. And often the some of the two older boys. And sometimes go bring this to dad and help that dad uh, in the farm and in the factory, uh, sorry, in the uh uh barn and, and, and with the tractor. You know, these kinds of things that were farm related is what my mom did. So I wanna introduce you. Many of you have met my mom before, but I think it's important to meet her again. So welcome to the show, Miss Donna Hallaby. Thank you very much, my son. You're welcome. So, so I have a couple of questions for you. I, I want to learn a little bit about you, but I also want you to have a, an un, people to have an understanding about where I came from. Uh, we have done a lot of shows now. At what probably more than three thousand shows, seventeen, eighteen years on the air. So, a lot of you, if you've listened to me from the beginning, you know a little bit about who I am. I, I don't hold back. I've never been shy about what I think or the reason I think certain things or or, or ways. Where did some of that come from? Where do you think that
3: opinionated
2: person came from? I don't know.
3: Well, I've always taught you kids to be honest with yourself, with everyone else. And with that comes trust from people. And also, um, I'm not sure how I got to be that way, so that I could teach you. My mom and dad obviously were farmers. Mom was in the field sometimes with dad. I would have to take care of the younger and older kids if they were around. Sometimes they were on the tractor. What kind of what kind of farm did you guys have? Because you guys had a special kind of farm. We had two hundred acres with about one hundred and fifty cattle. We had pigs, we had chickens, we sold the eggs, uh, and we lived in a small house next to my, my grandfather. And so there were two bedrooms with six kids. And um, then. When course, you say two bedroom, is that two bedroom for the kids? Yeah, the gr- two girls were in one room, four boys in the other. And then. And then mom and dad downstairs. Yeah, grandma and grandpa had the other one. Right. So. I don't know where I got my, my backbone, my knowledge of trying to raise children. It just came natural to me as far as watching my mom do it, her mother, my dad's mother. I had a lot of nice older people helping and uh, being in my childhood. Well, you guys did not
2: have a stoplight in your town uh, ever. I don't even think when I went back to visit for
3: uh, so we used to go back every summer and go visit. I, I don't think I ever saw a stoplight in that town. No, we had a few stop signs along the way, but no stoplight. So pretty storied past. You guys made money uh,
2: or, or certainly received items through bartering a lot, I'm guessing. I would give you butter and cream and you might give me chickens or you might give up eggs and somebody else would
3: uh, watch the kids or or was that a, a big part of your, your life? Uh, not necessarily in, in in my time when I was there. Um, I got married when I was 18. I left home to about a month after that. So I really didn't go into my older years with my mom and dad and I had children by the time I was 19. Yeah, you did. You had, uh, four
2: kids by the time you were 27, 28. Is that about right? Yeah. So growing up, you had a chance to be, uh, around a lot of people. If you could have lunch with anybody today, living or, or, or or dead, who would it be?
3: And why? I want to know that. Well, I think it would probably be my, um, my father's stepmother, mother she was a perfect grandmother. She would, oh, she would make tea and cookies, and every time I brought the paper up or something, she would give me a cookie and ginger tea, and just to talk to her, and I never knew she was my step-grandmother. When did you find that out? That's weird, I didn't After know After she passed away in 1961. Really? Mm-hmm did great grandpa just say surprise <laughs> she's a, she's a step no my i think my mother told me and um, it 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 floored me because she had seven children and she and grandchildren and she treated all of the grandkids the same way that's what really surprised me when i found out she was a step I didn't, because they got married, actually, the same year my mom and dad got married. Well, what would you talk about with her? What would I talk about? Probably how she became such a great grandmother and mother and stepmother. And, uh, you know, her kids were, they were great. I, I thought they were just people that happened to live in the house i had no idea that that was her children wow yeah what a different society yeah and 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 i don't like this um phrase it takes a village it takes people to pass on good traits good memories and good things to children and that's what they need they need security and they need, um, uh, history. Yeah. They need a history. You know, when I hear it takes a village, I
2: always hear that diminishing the value of the family because I'm not interested in the values of the neighbor down the street who used to beat his kids when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in the village that included the man down the street who was an alcoholic. I don't want their values, right? I'm interested in the people that care about me the most and it isn't the village I'm interested in the people that care about me the most, and they're the ones that have my same value, uh, values, uh, faith, uh, family history. So I agree with you. I think that It Takes a Village is a way to diminish the value of the family, right? There's a lot of structural problems in the United States that come from the family being less than. You know, you see a lot of the FLDS, the Fundamental Fundamentalist Latter-day Saints. They're not part of the Mormon Church. It's been a spinoff. Uh, a long long time ago uh, i mean they're just a different group of people but they share a similar name and as uh, flds the the kids themselves are born i saw a documentary recently that really shook me because if the father has four wives at the time and you're born you're never able to know which one was your actual mother your birth mother it's horrible isn't it it's very sad because it takes that identity away and it makes you just a number it makes you just
3: one of the group but it also doesn't just affect the children it affects the mother it affects the father it affects the whole society because you're breaking everything that you know it's breaking it up so your your father was a a farmer
2: mm-hmm. and You guys had a pretty fancy car and used to travel the world on (laughs) the Concorde. Maybe that wasn't around much about that time, but close. Or
3: or what kind of vacations did you guys have? What was your weekends like? Our weekends were six kids, my mom and dad in a station wagon. Remember those? I do. Yeah. Facing backwards. Yes. And actually there wasn't a third seat. There was like four or five kids in the back. <laughs> yeah, we would slide around we, when you made a turn. Yeah, we <laughs> would put a mattress back Well, whenever there. a blinker was on, I remember looking back towards the dashboard <laughs> to see which way are we turning. <laughs> so you can get ready to hang out. Yeah, on. if you could hear the blinker, you, were, you you flipped your head backwards. Yeah, well, we took, we went to the uh, to most of the state of Michigan and Sunday was dad's day off. And so we would pack up sandwiches and food and fruit and whatever mom had. And we would just take a trip around around the state to stop at a rest area or a park we, or something. Yes. We found a big oak tree. We would sit there and eat our sandwiches. Dad would lay down on the ground and take a nap. When he was ready to go, we were ready to go. <laughs> That's right. So, and you got six kids running around and and getting out, you know, in the fresh air and everything. So, uh, and Grandma's yelling at you guys to all get oh, back. Oh, absolutely, to the get, absolutely. Get the
2: <laughs> well, you were a pretty good student in school. At least to us, it appeared that way because you, you emphasized <laughs> school to us growing up. That mattered a lot. In fact, we did. We couldn't not do well. Uh, but you always graded our papers even to this day. most people don 't know this i didn 't realize this actually until just recently. but my sister who who's an attorney, will still have hire my mom to go in and review and edit and and kind of look at grammar and spelling and things that are are really intuitive to you that's that 's fascinating to mm-hmm. me so your favorite,
3: favorite subject in school, was there one more than another? Hmm, it was either math or English. I think I liked English because we did the, I did the grammar and the writing and all that. And uh, uh, spelling, I'm, I'm really a fanatic on spelling. I can look at a pamphlet and tell you that there is a typo. Yeah, you've been able to And it's to really that. annoying. <laughs> well, it certainly was when we were building our business initially. We had to
2: run our website, you know, buy people that we paid a lot of money to make sure things were done in order. And by the time you looked at our brochures or our pamphlets, uh, I thought, man, I could have got this for free. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I know that you live life uh, in a different way, four and a half weeks from hello to I do. I always say it that way because mm-hmm. I think that's cute. Four and a half weeks, just about from the end of August till the end of September. So about four and a half weeks. Mm -hmm. And then moving to California within the next couple of months, by the time you guys lived above the uh, local grocery store, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? But there has to be some regrets in life. Everybody has them. I'm not sure what they might be. I'm hoping it wasn't having your second son or your second yeah. child my or your first, only son. My first son, your first my son, only, your son, your son, only son.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> well uh, any regrets in life? Any any any, any thoughts that things you might do differently or would have done differently?
3: Mm. I I I was thinking maybe I could have traveled a little bit more. Um I mean, when when you kids were growing up, this is where your mother instinct comes. And when you're growing up you give everything you have to your children. It doesn't it doesn't mean that you're any less, but you kinda lose the word Donna. Yeah. Because it's mom or mommy or Mrs. Hallaby, whatever it is. But you kinda lose your identity a little bit until you start realizing, wait a second, I'm a person. And that usually happens when number four is not out of the nest, but on her own a little bit more than needing me. Well, you started working full time yeah.
2: right around that time. I'm thinking, right. Is yeah. that about right? She was 13. I 13. believe. Okay. So yeah. Coming up on that. Yeah. When our youngest, uh, sister, when you started working full time or right. pretty close to full time. Yes. I
3: guess. That was a necessity.
2: Yeah. Okay. So uh, I, this is another fascinating question for me. Uh, And and guys, I don't know the answers to these, so I'm learning this (laughs) with you as we go. Uh, And I always want you to know this, folks. Listen, this is important. Why I share with you some of the personal things about my mom is because I want you to know who I am, right, where we come from. Because my ideas and who I am are formed directly from my mom. Of course, my dad is involved, like I was involved with my children. But by far, men, especially you young men. You need to understand who you choose to call your wife and eventually the mother of your children is the person who's going to influence the most important and valuable things in your life, which are your kids. So that's why I want to share a little bit with you. Okay, mom, time traveling. You can jump in a little uh, back to the future. DeLorean.
3: Oh, sorry. Trick up uh, truck mm. and, and <laughs> that like pickups. Where would I go? Yeah. Where would you go? I would like to go probably in the South where, you know, gone with the wind kind of thing, because I think the uh,
2: post-World War, uh, uh, post-Civil War. War.
3: So we were reconstruction, a lot of damage, a lot of uh, kind of Um, like Ukraine today. But I'm I'm talking about the dresses and the clothes. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it, it, it was when a woman was a woman. And a man was a gentleman. Yes. And I think they're, they're, it, it's lost. It's lost. And I don't know if we can ever get it back. Well, you were involved with PTA. You were involved mm-hmm. with
2: uh, our school all the time, elementary school, not just for us, but with all my cousins that came from Lebanon, making sure they were treated properly, making sure that if they needed something, you were there. What are your thoughts today with the the craziness of this drag queen story hour oh. and you have men dressed like women and and twerking shaking their bums in the face of these little four-year-olds and second graders and fourth graders it, it's
3: insane it it's this is the downfall of the citizens of america and the world actually i think if if you don't have a dividing line between a man and a woman and what their uh roles are what well, you have you don't have distinct uh, individuals they're all they're all the same they are just scary you know there are times when a man
2: uh, has to become the father mm-hmm. and the mother in the sense that he has to still handle both roles but I promise you, a man can never handle the feminine side of a woman. Nor can a woman who's a single mom—the the dad, for whatever reason, is gone. He's passed away, or, or he's a son of a gun and's walked away from the family. She still cannot instill the masculine needs. And, and when we were involved with scouting, when we were involved with Boy Scouts, uh, fifteen years ago or so, ten, twelve, fifteen years ago, our kids were often leaders in the scouting community, but. More importantly than that, the assistant scoutmasters would often act as the male role model in the young man's life, meaning the mother knew she needed other young men to be around their son to kind of help mold and guide him of mm-hmm. different ages. That's mm-hmm. what scouting's about. But also to have a male influence, a father figure, somebody who would say who, who would not take that stuff from this young man. Right. No is no. And knock it off and get in line and uh, don't cry.
3: Stop crying. Yeah. Get in line. You're 14 years old. Right. Those kinds of things were necessary. But at the same time, I don't think I have ever told you if you were hurt, if you were physically or emotionally hurt, I have never called any, told any of my children Knock it off! Stop crying. Well, uh, yeah, because that—that's what you—that's
2: what a mom does. When I had c- young kids climbing and jumping up and down, and they fall down and get hurt, and you knew that they should okay. have been doing it, mm-hmm. you say, "Get in line!
3: Stop crying! We got to go." Right. You know? That's a little bit different than the emotional, and it, but at the same, <clears throat> at the same time, you have to learn your emotions. You have to learn how to create your emotions, pull them back. Uh, You know, you have to kind of, I don't know, you don't conceal or hold back. You just learn how to handle them.
2: Yeah, I would agree. I think the reason that we are different than animals is because an animal has just a few emotions, feelings, or instincts, Mm -hmm. right? It, it, It isn't very difficult. It's hunger, it's fear. Uh, it's to procreate it's that ability there's just a few things that a child that an animal has the difference is we should know as adults when to uh, curtail limit or even completely hide if you're in a foxhole and you're scared to death when i got shot at not once but twice as a los angeles policeman I could tell you I probably wanted to cry. I, it, it wasn't the first thing on my mind. But afterwards, your knee shake... I don't know if you remember when I came home. I was uh, 18 years old and I saved a young boy from drowning. Mm-hmm. when I was a lifeguard. Yeah, And uh, I was quiet. I came home and I remember you guys kind of asking me something. Maybe I didn't answer. I don't recall that. But I remember just kind of looking over my shoulder and you and dad were following me around the house, through the kitchen. Like, are you okay, Eric? Mm-hmm. What happened? And there's just... A, a moment in time when, as a 17 or 18 year old, I knew that I had to do what I had to do at that moment, and then I'll deal with the consequences later, right? The emotional, fear, breakdown, nervousness, whatever it is that, that people have
3: when you go through a tough a tough thing. And that, and that's the thing when, when you have a teenager. Teenagers uh, are a, a funny lot because they have so many emotions so many things happening to their bodies to their minds and they don't know what to do or how to handle it so as a parent as a mother leave them alone let them cool off let them tell you what's going on with them and if there is a big problem you always tell them I have always told my children if you have a problem or a question and I don't have the answer, I will find it for you. And I, if do you remember that, yeah,
2: that was always something that you would, especially always. when we were having challenges at school, because mm-hmm. you knew the teachers, uh, you know, folks, I always tell you this when you come in and you say, Oh, Eric, we have to work two jobs. We have to, we have to be gone. And the kids are in daycare and, and have the schedule of four thirty a.m. hockey practice, uh, 8 a.m school, uh, daycare after school, and then, uh, you know, hockey games all day Saturday. When is there a time to just quiet and be peaceful? Mm -hmm. And maybe your son is going to be the next NHL player. Maybe your daughter is going to be the next volleyball champion, softball champion, ice skating, whatever she is going to be in the world, or maybe not. But there has to be a downtime. There has to be a time when you stop and you think and be. be at peace and just know that I am God. Remember? Remember that mm-hmm. saying. So, uh, when we come back in just a minute, uh, I want to ask you a couple other questions. I'm not even going to tell you what they are yet, but folks, you're listening to Donna Hallaby. She's my mom. Very important. <laughs> you realize that that's where I came from. That's who I am. <laughs> where my values. Who I am as a person. Triple eight ninety nine retire. That's my number. Let me give it to you one more time. That's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven triple eight ninety nine retire. Important that you realize in our life. You're going to have just a few chances to make a difference in the lives of people. Maybe, maybe you can do th- things in computers or, or in an invention. That's great. But in the lives of an actual human being, just a few times. And that's usually most importantly going to be in the impact of your children. Mother's day special. I'm Eric Halliby along with my mom, miss Donna Halliby coming back after the break, your place for news, talk and information again, triple eight ninety nine retire and folks my email address, I always promise you that. Let me give that to you one more time. Arif at tfswealth.com. That's Arif at tfswealth.com. We'll be right back after the break. 888 Retire, your place for news, talk, and information. Amen 70 The Answer.
1: Learn from about financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arab has a plan. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial power. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab halabi
2: Hey, welcome to the show. I'm Eric Palaby. This is the Total Financial Hour, your place for news, talk and information coming to you live every week at this time. This is our recorded special with my mom just because we're busy this week and like you are and I want you to talk to my mom. This is important you learn about where I came from. I think, listen, if you want us to, to help you with your financial life, maybe it's nice to know a little bit about who you're working with and the detailed. It's nice to have a, a piece of paper that says somebody graduated from college or took a course or certified or my favorite F word ever, fiduciary, as if that matters. Uh, excuse me, Arav, uh, 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 are you a fiduciary? I go, yes, I am. And w- sometimes, depends, does it matter? And they go, well, well, what did you just say? I go, when was the last time that a title kept somebody from stealing from you? You have to ask. You have to see, you have to trust your instincts. Is this person an honest person? You need to ask. You need to do background check. You need to see. Give me a history, how long you've been in business. Right, uh, ladies, I always sh- share this with you. On Mother's Day, it's most important than ever before. What does it mean? It's called your women's intuition. Trust your gut. You walk in. If you say, I like you or I don't like you, I trust you or I don't. I'll share with you my wife, who's the uh, mother of my children. All right. Beautiful lady. 32 years now. 32 years married. When we got scammed, when I got scammed, I guess we, but because we were married, but it was my decision. She said, I don't like those guys. I don't trust them. I said, oh, oh, oh honey, I'm smart. I know what I'm talking about. I know these people. She said, yeah, that's nice. Uh, I'll trust you. That's fine. But but i don't trust those guys there's something wrong and i said well here's my thought i i'm super smart i know what i'm talking about so i think we should do it she said okay if you think we should do it go ahead and of course within i don't know close to 2 years or so 18 months 2 years later she came i had to come to her and say say listen i got scammed i got taken i'm an injured with uh, at that time probably two maybe three surgeries out of the six main surgeries that i had main operations disabled i can't work much and here i am trying to struggle and and the guys ripped me off and i had to come to her and say "Uh, listen it didn't work you're right i got scammed and i lost everything that's a big deal because you have to ask yourself right trust your gut for a minute ladies And men, trust your your women's instinct. There's something about that, right? You have to ask yourself, do I have a, a sense of realizing that this person is good for our family? And when you look at your financial portfolio, you need to check the same thing, right? Is this something that is good for my portfolio or not? Because if it is, if in the end, then great. You want to do what you can do. And if not, you need to ask yourself. Well, maybe it's time to make a change, and that's what it's all about, folks. I'm joined with my mom, Miss Donna Hallaby, here every uh, week. You hear me, but this is uh, rarity. I think it's only your second time, maybe third time. Third, yeah, yeah, on the air with me. So, joining with me is Miss Donna Hallaby, my mother, on our Mother's Day special. Okay, uh, I was talking about trusting your gut and mm-hmm. and instinct. Tell me. If you've ever had that sense that something was wrong and and hence been proven right,
3: probably quite a bit. It's been proven right, but they wouldn't admit that I was right. Yeah. That's that's the problem. If you can't communicate with uh, your kids or your husband and you have this gut feeling that something's not right, you have to make them listen to you. How did you? And no, I told you so. Yeah, so how did
2: you do that? What? Tell me um, about a time when you had a gut instinct, dad listened, uh,
3: and it saved you or the family dad uh, harm or, or <laughs> financial money or whatever. Oh, gosh, I can't even think of uh, when that would happen. Um, he started listening to me probably the last 30 years. And the the first 20 years or so that we're still kinda of getting used to each other and raising children and so um I can't think of any particular thing that that he would listen. But he I mean he does now but <laughs> It did take him a while, I <laughs> it guess. It takes huh? him a while, yes. So that might be the Middle Eastern culture, maybe it just is his bravado, I, I guess. I believe huh? so,
2: yes. So that means you had to get quite creative in letting it be his idea, as in uh, the famous, Mm -hmm. uh, what might be just the philosopher, I can't recall her name from the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh, that philosopher. The the man, he is the head of the family, the woman, she is the neck. Yes. Right? Exactly. (laughs) Always make it his idea. Uh, I mean, that never happens in my family. No. So as a young child, a teenager maybe, uh, I guess, because you you were 18 years old in 18 minutes, or really 18 (laughs) years old in 30 days, uh, and you were married and gone. Uh, Any trouble that you got into as a kid? Any challenges that you had? Any times where you were uh, disciplined,
3: you you got in trouble? No, I was the perfect kid. Are you kidding? (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) I was the oldest daughter, so I was... You know, the second mother to five kids, you know, get them on the bus. I remember um, our window, living room window, it faces where the bus would come from. So everybody's getting dressed, and there's always one lookout. So if they see the bus coming about a quarter mile down the street, you just yell at them and tell them, you know, get your... Would, but out there, what would they just do? Yell bus, or the bus is I here? Believe, yeah, the bus is here, and we all go to the mailbox down down the uh, driveway, which was quite a ways actually, and uh, the bus would stop and we get on, and that's that was the funny part of having all these kids, I guess.
2: Well, you guys were pretty close, although yeah. your youngest
3: brother was still pretty young when you moved out by that time i believe he was 11 and i uh, i had my first daughter when he was 13 so uh, he and my sister were the last we kind of think of it as the first four family and the second family was the two younger ones because they were there while the rest of you guys were serving in the military and you were out and about Mm yeah yeah because
2: my other uncles, two, two of them, the two, answers. two older ones, two older boys were in Vietnam, or served in the military. One went to Vietnam, or was in Cambodia, 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 Cambodia but not supposed Thailand, to be Thailand, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, He he mentioned one time. He said, "I think mm-hmm. it's been declassified," mm-hmm. uh, but that we were in Thailand when we weren't supposed to be in Thailand. I guess everybody knows that now. But mm-hmm. so, yeah, I remember when I was young, I would ask him about his. Uh, you know, some of the places that he would serve. And there was uncle Charlie and uh, you old and he wouldn't say anything. He was in the air force. And he's like, Nope, we were, no, we were in Vietnam or we were in, uh, Japan, Okinawa, or, you know, you'd hear him tell yeah. stories and things didn't line up. And right. it was always fascinating. What was that? He took it to his grave. Yeah. <laughs> we ultimately found out some things from some his son, things, but... but so, uh, you grew
3: up in a small town of Michigan. What did you guys do for fun? You didn't have a television that, that ran? I mean not really. We had to sit in front of the straight in front of the T V in order to see it. Yeah, it was a big old Yeah. And um uh, you No, know, I I think I rode bikes mostly. Bicycles? I had a yeah, I had a bicycle. We'd ride it up and down the street and of course it was a dirt road. That was fun Going, you know, you get off into the soft dirt and you all over yeah so and i had my cousins nearby so we would ride together i would ride up to them and that kind of thing just outside outside how many video games did you play none (laughs) what what was that (laughs) how many times were you stuck in a room for 12 hours yeah because you wanted to be not because you got in trouble exactly and we all you know after school we'd Oh, American Bandstand was on. Ah, just as we got home from school, so we would sit and watch that for an hour, and uh, and then we'd do our homework, and uh, then after that, the boys would do their chores. And did you got? Do you ever remember hearing your parents fight about money? Was that ever something that no that uh, you heard a discussion about? No, if they had an argument. I don't know where they would go because the house was so small and there's no, they really didn't have a wooden door in their room. They had one of those sliding things. So if they had an argument, I don't know where they would have the argument. They, I really don't remember any arguing about money or how to raise the kids or anything like that. Do you think your dad uh, left that? A lot of that type of raising to your mom, to yes, yes,
2: definitely. And where did he come into play? What did he do? Like what? When it came to raising the kids, I mean, of course, he was in the farm all day and milking the cows in the morning and milking the cows at night.
3: Mm, I don't. I don't think he really had any hands-on uh, of raising us, other than teaching the boys farm work, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, I remember. There was a there's an area between our barn and our milk house, and on summer nights and fall nights, we would go out and play uh, baseball. You know, just pick up a bat and hit the ball, and Daddy would do that. And all of a sudden, he would be at a home plate and where, and he could he could bat man. Yeah, he could hit that ball. He could really hit it. So he got six kids out there and he he uh, bats the ball. And it's I that's the biggest memory that I have of of him. Just having fun and just and having right. a good time. And he really didn't have any. I don't remember ever getting spanked. Yeah. By him. And you don't want to be spanked by a farmer. Just, <laughs> just to let you know. Well, their their hands are the size of a bit exactly.
2: by itself. We're talking to my mom, Donna Hallaby, mm-hmm. farmer, <laughs> farmer child, right? Grew up on 200 acres in uh, Michigan. Uh, Donna Hallaby, my mom. On this special Mother's Day, I'll give you our phone number: triple eight ninety nine retire. That's eight 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 nine nine seven three eight four seven. AM eight seventy. We're talking uh, about on the total financial hour, but specifically on the special edition. I want you to meet my mom. It's a little bit about who I am and how I've become uh, developed my ideas. Uh, She always let us be who we were and each of us, four children in my family, I have three sisters. We grew up very differently in the sense that, uh, you know, each of us have a different perspective of my dad. He had a different, basically career or job as we were growing up for each of us, at least at a time that we remember the most. Uh, We kind of all four of us got together once and, you know what was the the career of choice that you remember dad having <laughs> there were different phases and he had different full completely different careers so. mm-hmm. talking to my mom donna Halloween, i, I want to ask you stranded on a desert island mm-hmm. you can take two things one of them is a book and something else what would that something else be and what would that book be
3: mm. the book would probably be the bible and there's something else, uh, water. Water, interesting. Okay,
2: maybe like a water purifier, right? Because oh, the desert—that's well, that, what I'm then, thinking.
3: Yeah, maybe.
2: But I had the I had the privilege of listening to your first answer, your your, your answer here, and I would. <laughs> yeah, you say the Bible. How come? What what does it do for you?
3: Uh, it gives me a little perspective, and um, I was raised in. Baptist Church, uh, as far as raising you children in a, in a religion or any type of, uh, you know, founded religion. It, they, it, well, it was difficult to get your dad to do that because he has his own religion and you can't subscribe to it, so to speak. So it was a little tough on that perspective. So we used to to go to vacation
2: Bible school five times, maybe six times. I remember going Uh, Diana, the the young lady Mm -hmm. across the street. Mm -hmm. She was a little younger than me, maybe. But her parents, uh, they had a church that they went to not too far away. We would go to VBS, Mm -hmm. vacation Bible school. So I remember doing that as a younger kid. You guys were okay with that? Dad was okay with that, I guess?
3: Well, I kind of talked him into it. It's not going to hurt, you know. Yeah, give the kids it, something to give, do. Exactly. And give you a break, me a break, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know. Thinking about this,
2: if you could go back to your younger self, I want to pick two times in your life. Mm. Just before going into high school, just about that time. And you could tell yourself one thing that you think would make that time better. What would that be?
3: Have a backbone. What does that mean? That means that the kids in my class would take advantage of my knowledge and, you know, here, do this math paper for me or do this English assignment. And I would. I couldn't say no. Yeah. And I still can't say no <laughs> a lot of times.
2: Well, I, okay, so so that would be your your pre-high school uh person. Mm-hmm. What about the time when your last daughter, your fourth child is just about moving out of the house, getting married? We didn't quite get married in the same order. As a birth order. It was a bit of a different order, actually. Mm -hmm. But by the time your last daughter was out of the house, married, she would have been done with school. Uh, What would you tell that person? Probably, what would you say? Maybe a 50-year-old Donna?
3: Something like that, maybe? Yeah, that would be. Right around there. Just kind of quick math in my head. Actually, about a 40-year-old. But (laughs) anyway, um, what would I tell her? Just uh, communicate. Um, be respectful. To who? Listen. Be respectful to who? To her husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, to anyone, actually. You you can't uh, hold a grudge. Um, all these things kind of work in tandem. And. In- when you can go back in that person 's life mm. right and you think about
2: that, you have to have because you had a career, you worked for a doctor for
3: quite some time
2: mm-hmm. uh,
3: How many years were you there? Well, I worked for him about five years, but then I worked for a pharmaceutical company, yep, you did that for almost thirty, and that was uh vitamins nature made
2: vitamins mm-hmm. pharmavites some of you guys know, mm-hmm. it, but nature made you guys know the yellow and brown bottle vitamins. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so you worked for them for quite a while. I, I'm so proud of you because the way you worked your way up from the art department, basically an entry level job, kind of starting there, mm-hmm. a younger lady out on your own, and you kind of did some interesting things. You you kind of made a name for yourself there, and suddenly found yourself getting promoted. How, how did that happen?
3: Um, actually, the job opened the the job all the jobs that I had had not had anyone in them before. So that means that I had to do the SOPs. What does that mean? uh, Standard operating procedure. So basically you had to create your own. Exactly. I had to create my own system. So, okay, so
2: now you're working. uh, They say, uh, hey, Donna, I think you're a perfect candidate for this job. Uh, and you go, mm-hmm. oh great! Let me see the rules, and they say, well, we don't have
3: any yet, mm-hmm. so create it. Exactly. That's, that's exactly what stressful. happened. Yeah, I know. But the way the work flowed, it worked. And you know, you write down everything. Yeah. So I think they're still using the procedures that I started. So that was that was interesting. I think I had four or five jobs that way and uh, it was interesting it was fun it um, it helped me to grow yeah that's a challenge it is a challenge because you go in there and here this is what you need to do it's just like being mothers they give you this baby yeah and then they go and go and there's no book yeah it doesn't tell you how to set it up it doesn't tell you that at this time it feeds, and at this time, the uh, babies have their own rules. Yeah. I don't care who you are, but babies have their own rules, and you need to abide by them. Yeah. When we want to eat, so when exactly. We're sleep. So it's it's very hard being a mother and being a woman. I I I'm glad I'm not now. I don't think I could do it at this age, obviously, but I've been watching my grandchildren grow up, and that's 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 a treat. That's icing on the cake. You know, we were thinking say. the
2: other day, like, what age were you when we became? Well, and I was the first to bring you a grandchild, mm-hmm. my oldest son. Mm-hmm. So we thought, gosh, what age was my mom when that happened? And you were in your forties, and that was interesting because, of course, we're past that age, and you know, we're not grandparents yet. I'm not putting pressure on anybody, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, yeah. we kind of want to be a grand So sooner or later, uh, so tell we're me, not
3: getting younger.
2: <laughs> as you think about this, mm. what is something you wish you would have known as a parent that I know now that, you know, now as a grandparent, because often grandparents seem to have, well, I'll let you, I'll let you come up with what you think. I'll, I'll kind of tell you what my thoughts are.
3: Okay, what... Um, let's see. Maybe something you learned that you thought, gosh, darn it. I, I wish I, I'd done that with my ch- child or Or, or not.
2: maybe something that you fretted over that you didn't realize uh, you, you should have. You know, you worried
3: over something. I don't know. Okay, I've got it. When you're talking to a little child, I love the way William and Kate from England, you know, the prince and princess, whatever they are, Um talk to their children you know how they do that they, oh, tell they, me. they get down on their haunches oh. they go eye to eye with the child yeah you taught me that yes but I didn't learn that until my daughter was probably two or three years old and she did something and I'm five foot two and this little thing and I'm talking to her and I'm pointing my finger at her and telling her, what did you do or why did you do this? This little one is taking her neck and trying to see me, my yeah. my face. She's backing up. She almost fell over trying to see me, wow. my face. And that's when I realized, wait a second. If you speak to a child eye to eye, yeah, face to face, they listen, they know what you're saying, and you're not this big giant. Yeah. That's when I realized she thought I was a giant the way she was acting. And I thought. And then I started doing that with the grandkids getting down on their level and then I could talk to them. It was funny the way, you know, I I don't know. She uh,
2: told me, I don't know. uh, I, I don't remember ever not knowing that like that is always how I did it, I'm Mm -hmm. sure from you. Probably. Uh, Probably you told me how to do it when we were young parents, Mm -hmm. that that was the thing to remember to do. And that was an interesting, that's an interesting perspective because that was always just normal to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, It goes to show you that the way you teach your children uh, simply becomes what's right or what's normal Mm -hmm. as opposed to uh, creating something unique. Often in life, people Bring kindness to our lives. I can give you two or three examples in my life of, of a of a huge difference somebody has made and the kindness that it was shown to me and uh, undeserving kindness, you know, often referred to as grace, uh, at least in many circumstances. What's kindness that somebody
3: what's a kindness that somebody did for you that you'll never forget or you haven't forgotten? Oh, my goodness. Uh, there's been so many. Obviously, through through fifty eight years of marriage, there's been a lot. But uh, uh, let's see, one kindness. I really am grateful for everybody that's had any uh, thing to do with my helping my children get raised properly and my grandchildren. So I, it it should be an everyday thing.
2: Guys, uh, it's nice to have a chance to learn a little bit about. Perspective of somebody that matters to you, and I'm I'm gracious, uh, grateful rather that that you've been so gracious to give me a chance to share with you my mom, Donna Hallaby. It's an honor and a privilege because she has been there for me for 55 years on this earth, and you got a chance to have a little taste of what it's like to be my mom and how she treats me. Thanks for being part of the show. This is the Total Financial Hour, our special edition. This is. The Mother's Day show on air with, with with era on AM 70 the answer thanks for being part of the program you have a blessed day happy mother's now, day
1: a, has a plan for me. higher income